0: Welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein, with Northstar Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. For this episode of Eventful, I had the pleasure of speaking with Terrell Jones, who founded Travelocity and co-founded Kayak, among a number of other groundbreaking businesses that have brought travel purchasing into the world of information technology and digital commerce. He's now a speaker, author, and venture capitalist, and he's putting his experience and brain power behind the considerable challenge of establishing digital health passports for domestic and international travelers.
1: I think that the domestic testing at this point is really a bridge too far first of all we don't have that many tests available there for many people are still quite hard to obtain and, and i think until we have wide delivery of short-term tests it, it simply doesn't make sense and and as many of the airlines said well what are we going to do about car travel more and more people are traveling by car than by air they're not tested we don't have border control between the states I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist, but it seems really focused on one industry that's already taken a tremendous beating. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think that makes sense right now. Although I have seen proliferation of these very short 15 minute tests that you can do at home, which, which I think will be terrifically useful as they are approved for international travel.
0: Right. Do you know what the level of accuracy of those? I know that the, the rapid antigen test has pretty high error rate, especially for Yeah, edged.
1: some of the new ones say, if I had a friend of mine get one that claimed 99% accuracy. Oh, well,
0: that would be um, good.
1: <laughs> although it is not, it's not yet approved as a, a PCR test. So apparently there are some very good ones coming and they're being used at airports in other countries, these short-term tests, and and they're helpful. So, you know, there've been a lot of people who say, look, the more testing we do, the better off we are. And we've even heard airlines talking about offering COVID-free flights at some time in the future through a combination of testing and vaccine. But I think it is too much. And right now the trial balloon seems to have burst. It was tried and I, I don't think... It's going to happen right now. But, you know, we still have this whole issue of international travel and and perhaps even some kind of, of certification that might be necessary to get back to large meetings. You know, pe- people I'm a public speaker and we're seeing a lot of meetings being booked in the late fall with the hope that they can be held. And in fact, President Biden said last night in his his open forum that he thinks everybody in the country who wants to be vaccinated can be vaccinated by July. That that was a new statement. But even so, are insurance carriers and lawyers going to let 5,000 people into a room in the fall when some people won't be vaccinated? Uh, Vaccinated people may still be contagious. I think it's up in the air. So, I, I think both for international travel and perhaps for larger meetings, we're going to need to be able to identify ourselves as being either vaccinated or tested or both.
0: So, before we move on to the, the identifying part, do you think that right now in the US, it would be more reasonable to have on site antigen tests at the airport? Do you think that's an option?
1: Well, certainly it should be an option. And I think the more people are tested, the better. But I think the industry is in pretty tough shape. And so the question, I think, has to be to the scientists, are the tests good enough and why airlines? If we're going to do this, you know, let's have national testing, as many other countries do, where we aggressively test in business, in, in all kinds of industrial settings, in travel. All over the place. Right. Uh, Because we've seen that it works. You know, some there are some great university examples where they tested people frequently and isolated those who who had a positive test and were able to run a normal operation. But we're you know, we're not there yet as a country. I I, simply isn't enough testing. So. It'd be great to have testing at airports and and many airports around the world are doing it. Some airlines in certain countries are requiring it. I I think that would be great. But most of those are very small countries and small airlines. We're a very large country who hasn't done very well on conformance Mm -hmm. (laughs) to anything so far. So I I think it's it's probably premature unless we do it widely across the country for all kinds of industries.
0: And even just, you know, test yourself before you walk out the door to do anything (laughs) and put the onus on the individual to make sure that they're okay to go into
1: public. Well, that's right. And and I actually was introduced to a technology this week, which may allow us to do that. It's it's under NDA. I can't talk about it. But a pretty fascinating technology that's being tested that could actually allow for each of us very cheaply to get a good idea if we were infected or not. A pretty high percentage test very inexpensive that's just has just been patented and they're just bringing it to market mm-hmm. so I, I think many of things things will come forward and probably you know we're in for some long-term change i mean i, I was heavily involved in, after 9-11 when i was running travelocity in the creation of the tsa it, it testified in congress and was involved with the government there all these many years later even though we haven't had thank god another serious incident that level of security hasn't gone away, right? Right, And then if, if you're in a big city, you still have to identify yourself to go in a building. So I think that some of the things that are being put in place now will not leave, or they'll be mothballed for a quick uh, coming back. As we saw in Asia, they were much better prepared for COVID because of SARS mm-hmm. uh, and because of the testing they had done previously, the temperature checks, they were just ready for it. Right. So hopefully we've learned some of these lessons and, things like contactless payment.
0: So let's talk about the concept of a a COVID passport. Would that, you know, how do you envision that working, if at all?
1: Well, I think it can work. There are many of them who are, you know, are coming into the market right now and they involve a bunch of steps. So the traveler gets an app and then hopefully their lab or their hospital will upload their test results. Although in this case, many people are uploading their own results, which then get reviewed by this case, a company, whether it's IBM or Microsoft or IATA or the World Economic Forum, those get reviewed and checked. And then when you show up at the airport, for example, you can scan the QR code in that app and then the airline or whoever's checking you has to go out and ping that system to say, is this valid? Has Terry really been vaccinated and tested? So it's a closed loop. It makes a lot of sense. There are lots of people trying it, There are, but there are some issues. And I was just before this listening to uh, a gentleman from IATA t- where they're doing this, uh, talking about some of those issues, and I've run into some myself. So I was recently vaccinated. I got this little cardboard card. I think I have it here on my desk. that says Uh I had a COVID test. It's not signed. It's not stamped. I could make it in Photoshop in five minutes. So that isn't going to work. And I live in Nevada. I've yet to be able to get a digital representation of my test that I can upload. So I've been working with my senators, and they are going to reach out to HHS, the Health and Human Services, and others in the government to say, everybody should be able to get a digital representation of their vaccination. Now test results are much easier. You okay. can get those, you can print them out, you can upload them. So that's one part of the issue. The other part is that these various passports should be interoperable. Because you if if I'm a hotel, let's say, and running a convention, I don't want to get 20 different kinds of tests and have to have 20 different apps to read them. We want customs and border patrol control to be able to scan them easily. So I think both those things have to happen. President Biden has issued an executive order asking several government departments to work together on this and to work with the international organizations to get that done. So I think it can be done. Tony Blair just came out, the former UK prime minister, saying that his organization is working hard with governments because he doesn't think travel will come back without some form of documentation.
0: Right. And so do you think that this could happen or is being discussed at least on a national scale, if not a global scale? I mean, IATA, I guess, is looking at it globally.
1: IATA is looking at it globally and and they're they're working with the health issues. So is the World Economic Forum. You know, we've had for 100 years the carte jaune, the, the yellow card we all carry that said we got a yellow fever shot and a malaria shot and those things. And it's a great method, but it's not worthy of the 21st century because it's not digital. Mm-hmm. So that is being discussed as, how do we get a a digital carte jaune between governments? And I think it will happen, but I think it does take some government action in addition to industry to say there are standards here and this is not a HIPAA health issue because I'm voluntarily giving my data. So if I gave it out voluntarily, then that's fine. Don't, don't lock it down. Don't sue me. Don't get in all this trouble. Just like I did with my vac- vaccinations when I started traveling when I was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I gave that data out voluntarily, but it has to be certified. So I, I think that we, we won't end up with a national passport, but hopefully we can end up with the government saying everybody should be able to get their records easily. Here are the d- data elements they should have. Mr. Hospital, Mr. Laboratory. I mean, I got my shot at the fire department. (laughs) They're not too used to this. You know, some people are driving to Yankee Stadium. Who's doing that? Where's the record? So we need standards on that side. And then over time, I think that internationally or even in the U.S., we could get some standards on the document itself so it's easy to read. Like if Customs and Border Control said, this is our format, Well, everybody would code to that format because, you know, that's how we get into the country. So I think it can be done, but it's going to take some will. And I think the industry, particularly in in the convention side, has the leverage to talk to their senators, congressmen, government officials to say, we need help. Let's get this done.
0: Right. I mean, I think there's a large concern that requiring, first of all, a vaccine and proof of vac- a vaccine let alone a, t- a covid test will just drastically reduce the number of people traveling.
1: I think domestically that's right. I think internationally maybe not. You know, if that's the only way people can go, countries years ago when I first went into travel when I was 20, I ran a visa service. And in those days there were many more countries that required required visas for Americans than do today. People travel like crazy. They just had to go get them. And, and frankly, you know, what's coming up right now, the U.S. is now requiring everybody from the EU to get a digital document in order to enter the U.S. Well, guess what? The EU is going to require that for all Americans in 2022. Okay. Is that going to reduce travel? No, I don't think so, because it's going to be digital and not that hard. So I think people will, who travel internationally will get tested. And many, you know, will want to get the vaccine simply because they want to be safe. Something like 70% of the U S has said they will get vaccinated. So I think people are going to have it and countries are going to require it anyway. Internationally, there's a good thing happening here. That's interesting. it happened in seven countries in the last several weeks. Uh, For example, the Seychelles are saying, okay, if you come here, you have to have a test. If you have a test, we're still going to quarantine you. And then you can have another test to move on. But if you have a test and have been vaccinated, you're in. Okay. So that is in seven countries. I'm betting it's going to be in a lot more.
0: Right, right. So for people like yourself who got vaccinated at the fire department, how do you get a record of of that? You know, are there records?
1: I haven't solved that problem yet. I did find that Nevada has a state vaccination database. And I got in there and there's a list that says Terry's had, you know, shots for the flu and shots for shingles and a COVID vaccine. Okay. But it is just a line item list that I would print out from this web page. I don't know if that's going to work. Right. So actually this week, I'm calling various international vaccination centers, and we have some here in Reno, and they're all over the country where you normally get a yellow fever shot. And I'm going to ask them, will you certify this vac- vaccination from Nevada IZ mm-hmm. so I can get it put on my cart jump? Mm-hmm. Or will you give me a certificate? Don't know the answer yet. Right. And that's part of the problem that we've got to solve if if we're going to get travel running again.
0: Right. Okay, and then moving along to the meeting scenario, do you see this as something that meeting planners can or will at some point, especially for large events, require to participate in person?
1: Well, I think it's an interesting question. You know, there are a lot of people who have fear of travel, fear of COVID and fear of being with a lot of people. Right. So I think if planners want to get a lot of people together, Number one, it sounds like a pretty good idea to make people feel safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because also, look, these protocols aren't going away. Right now, the government is saying, even if you've been vaccinated, you still have to socially distance and wear a mask. Mm -hmm. So we want people to feel safe. Secondly, I think there's some interesting legal and insurance implications here. And we're going to have to see what our lawyers and insurance companies say about large gatherings. I know I, I'm a chairman of a boys and girls camp up in Minnesota. Last year, we wanted to open, and our lawyers and insurance companies simply said, we won't insure you, and you're going to get sued. Yeah. So we didn't open. Now, we need to, to have that discussion. So we want meetings to come back. I know lots of people are planning for Q4, maybe Q3. Is it a good idea? I would think it would be a good idea to tell people, hey, if you want to come, get tested get a vaccine we'd love to have you then you have a a relatively safe convention and for the people who don't i think we've proven in the last 12 months that virtual works yeah and that some of the attendees can certainly be virtual so we'll see if if it is necessary but i think right now will we really have meetings in the fourth quarter without some type of safety i think that's up in the air
0: So when you say some type of safety, so, you know, my organization is planning to resume our face-to-face meetings in April, and we did hold one in Arizona in late October, and we did daily temperature checks, masks mandated, nothing reception style where people would be mingling with a drink, they were spaced out at tables and that kind of thing. So I think depending on what the gathering restrictions are in this, you know, whatever state you're in. We, we are seeing meetings happening
1: under 100 people sure right but are government's ready for you to say you know i'm i'm taking all of the bellagio yeah um right. i don't think so yeah not yet now will they in the fall that, that's the other thing that was fascinating about last night's uh, uh, conversation with president biden because after he said all the tests should be available by July. Anderson Cooper said, "Well, when do you think the country will get back to normal? And he said, "You know, uh, they've told me not to predict your herd immunity, but I don't think before the end of the year, right was his statement, and some yeah. into next year. and And therefore, with all this money on the line, what can we do to help it along? Right. And I think it's in the industry's interest to to talk to your government representative and say, you know, we at least want the ability for people to be able to have some kind of health identification so that if we want to have a big meeting and, and the rule comes out, yes, you can have a big meeting here, but here's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to get tested right. or be vaccinated. Right. And if that's if that happens, you want to be prepared. And right now, the country isn't prepared for that kind of identification.
0: Right. And and do you think that has to happen at a state level versus a national level?
1: Well I think I think there are two pieces. I think at a national level it is very important for perhaps health and human services to say every since the government is paying for all these tests and they're free. Therefore whoever gives the test must provide the vaccinated person with proof. And that could be physical or digital, but you have to get proof and not this stupid cardboard card. And then every organization will have to respond. The hospitals, it's pretty easy. They already have that. Fire department's a little harder, Mm -hmm, right? right. Um, And then, of course, states are going to continue to have a diverse set of rules because in the federal system that we have, states get to decide public health rules. So, you know, I know here Governor Sisolak in Nevada obviously wants to open las vegas but he's he has been rightfully been cautious other states not so much right you know florida you know seems much more open california is pretty closed. so we look at this in arizona you know i don't know the rules there but they've had terribly difficult outbreaks so i think we're going to see a patchwork quilt of things and therefore the more arrows we have in our quiver mm-hmm. to say hey we're prepared you know, we're going to have a convention like you did. We're going to distance. We're not going to have cocktail parties. I guess what everybody's going to have a 15 minute test. At least you're ready. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, and hopefully those things will go away over a period of time. Right. But uh, Or just become
0: know. natural like the TSA checkpoints have become to us now. You know, just part of what right. you expect in the travel experience.
1: They didn't go away. And so it'll just be part of it. I think it's just going to take some time just as, you know, it was so amazing to watch this industry flip to virtual in a very short period of time. I mean, I gave 45 virtual speeches last year and built a studio in my house and, you know, was all over the world speaking Mm -hmm. while, you know, sitting in my office and it worked. Yeah. Now, was it as good as meeting in person in many ways? No. Was it okay? Yeah. In many ways it was. And in Mm -hmm. fact, people saw more attendees. Uh, right. than they had at some meetings. So mm-hmm. I think my own opinion is all meetings, large meetings will be hybrid mm-hmm. going forward mm-hmm. because if we can get more people into our meeting and, and right. you know get to our goal of right. dispensing information and having people meet each other, I, I think the virtuoso conference, which is normally in Vegas, a big travel conference where they do one-on-ones, they do like 10,000 virtual one-on-ones mm-hmm. in two days. Yeah, and they had a very high satisfaction rate, mm-hmm. so it can work. And there's so um, much technology but, out there that all allows still...
0: that. The one-on-one appointment scheduling, oh, yeah. like we're using that for our events, and it's it's almost the same thing. Like there's a digital ballroom with tables
1: and appointments. And, and frankly, I've seen in meetings where people do forced breakout rooms, mm-hmm. and they take five, six hundred people and they break them into you know, 20 rooms, mm-hmm. and they force different departments to meet together in interesting ways, they say, hey, we're getting great interaction mm-hmm. that we might not have gotten if we told people, yeah, just go to the room you want, because people tend to hang up with their friends, and, right. you know, those conversations might not be as good. Right. So I'm doing one in a couple of weeks where I think they're going to have 10 breakouts, and as the speaker, I'm going to drop into each breakout for 10 minutes, and, Yes. I, could I do that physically? Not as easily. Right. Probably. Yeah. So I, I think we've learned a lot. I think we have more to learn. You know, in in my opinion, and I worked hard on my speeches, I'm competing with television. Mm-hmm. I have to be that good. Right. So I'm not the little Zoom guy up in the corner. I've got high technology where I look like this. I'm overlaid with my slides. I'm doing interviews and polling and videos running. And because People are used to CNN and Fox, mm-hmm. and and if you're not that good, they'll do their emails because yeah. it's too hard right. for a big meeting. Right. You can get that. You could be highly responsive. Right. And so I, I think it's a it's a new tool in the toolkit for the meeting planner. J- yeah. Just as now having to think about all these health and safety issues is you know one more thing for the meeting planner to right. tear their hair out about. Right. But uh, it's it's critical if we're yeah. going to bring this industry back.
0: Right. And Terry, can you just explain what it is that you're working on?
1: I'm talking to a lot of industry leaders and governments, this government, to try to get us all to work together to the to realize digital health passports. I think it's critical for us to be able to use these things to bring particularly international travel back and perhaps meetings. So I'm working with my two senators, hopefully shortly to work with the governor here in Nevada, to put pressure on the federal government to take action around allowing every person to get their own ID in a in a format that certifies they've been vaccinated, make it easy to get test results, have a place a safe place to put them, and there are a lot of companies doing that, and then hopefully on the other side to get interoperability. So travel providers, airlines, particularly hotels, don't have to read 22 different documents right. to decide, oh, I don't have to quarantine you. Right. And, and we're getting there. But it's, it's early days. Biden's executive order will help. But, you know, government, mm-hmm. they respond to pressure. Mm -hmm. So I think as an industry, the more we can talk about this issue and say we need these identifications. I mean, so many meeting planners have 20, 30 percent of the people coming in are international. Right. Well, guess what? To come to the U.S., they're going to need they already need a test. They're probably going to need to prove vaccination. So it's reciprocal. And lots of meeting planners hold their meetings around the world. They can't today because the U.S. is sort of banned from going anywhere. But it will change. But it's going to change with some barriers, testing and vaccination.
0: Right. Well, we wish you the best of luck. (laughs) The sooner we can get this organized, the better. And, you know, I understand it's not going to happen overnight. Things are developing, but it doesn't, it's not going to happen with the snap of the fingers. We all have to do our
1: part. That's it. And we're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars between now and then. And maybe we can prevent that. By, by pushing the government a bit and by coming together as an industry and saying, hey, meetings aren't going to be the same this year, maybe even into next year. What can we do to get people back on airplanes and into ballrooms right. having meetings? Right.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Very good. I appreciate your time. Thank
1: you. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.